Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 21st episode of Drive Through FM. Today, I'm going to talk about my experiences at Board Game Geek Con. I had a great time. It was kind of a different kind of con trip for me. I was actually super sick and was meant to leave uh, Tuesday, the day before the con starts, and I was down for the count, and so I had to reschedule my flight to Thursday, so I missed the first full day of the con and a little bit of Thursday. Uh, so that was a bummer, but I got there probably about 2 o'clock is probably the time I got into the convention on Thursday, and then things kind of kicked off from there. And then we actually took uh, some of us sort of a break from the con on Friday, this was planned, and headed over to the Warhammer Citadel, uh, the Warhammer Cafe, uh, that's probably a couple of miles from where the convention was taking place. Uh, so I'll talk a little bit about that, but I'm also going to have a separate uh, kind of vlog walkthrough video of uh, that cafe and, and all the cool stuff that's there. So definitely uh, take a look at that. I'll probably be dropping those right on top of each other. I'm not really sure exactly how I'm going to schedule this as I record this, but that definitely look for that. So let's go ahead and just jump into some of the games I've been playing recently. Some of them I played just before going to BGGCon, and then obviously some I played at BGGCon. And we'll just kind of work through them in sort of uh, my estimation order, not necessarily chronological order. Uh, so the first game I want to talk about is uh, The Walking Dead, Here's Negan. It's a board game from Mantic Games. And if you remember, I did a review of their miniature game. Uh, for The Walking Dead. I think it's called All Out War last year, which I really enjoy. And this is kind of nice. Uh, the Here's Negan board game is kind of nice because it will have some extra miniatures and stuff that you can use in that game. Uh, but it doesn't provide you like any data cards or anything for rules for the miniatures. Uh, and it's its own standalone game. It uses a very similar kind of special dice mechanic uh, that you use in the All Out War miniatures game. Uh, but it's a grid-based, uh, indoor uh, type of thing. So you're working actually all cooperatively for Negan. So if you're familiar with the show, Negan is not a good person. And he's very much a taskmaster in this game. He's kind of wandering through these different buildings behind you as you clear of zombies and hitting you on the head with his bat, which he's named Lucille. And, uh, and that can cause damage and cause you to lose the game if he's not pleased with how quickly and efficiently you're clearing these areas uh, of zombies and going through and clearing different rooms and sort of setting up, establishing a base of operations for him and his group. Um, so that's pretty much the game. You kind of move around and hit zombies and then you get special items and things and events will, will happen and zombies will spawn and come after you. And you have to, and then Negan's sort of like a timer, kind of marching through slowly. And he gets sort of upset if he has to do too much work. Because he will, like, interact with the zombies and things as well as you move through it. And then it's it's basically like a campaign. There's actually a lot of scenarios. There's about 12 in there. And you can play them in any order. But if you want to play them from start to finish, then you can. And uh, you could definitely, like, solo this. Or you can break it into teams. And it's designed to have... Uh, or I should say it scales based on the number of characters that you're controlling and stuff like that. So uh, the systems, it works really well. Uh, it's very, very solid, but it doesn't really do anything for me that I find that interesting. And I find uh, as somebody that watches the TV show, like working for Negan is a big turnoff in terms of the game. I mean, it's kind of interesting because you're sort of working for the bad guy. And, you know, you know he's, he exudes this like level of fear and intimidation over the game. And I think that really works, and they really succeeded at that. 
Uh, but that's not something like I look forward to doing, right? I don't want to sit down and play and like, let's go get beat up by Negan. <laughs> and like, you know, like when did somebody just pop this guy? You know, come on. And uh, and I kind of feel like that in the show sometime. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything of where the show is, but his storyline on the show is pretty evolved. Yeah, and I've, I've sort of like kept up with that show through YouTube videos at this point. I haven't watched the last two seasons, but I'm always like curious. I'm like, how are the characters doing on the show? And so I'll go pull up like highlights from the season and see where Rick and Carl and all these people have uh, evolved to. But uh, yeah, so it's a pretty good game. Like I think if you are really into The Walking Dead and really into like the Negan character, again, this is more based on the comic book than the TV show, uh, which I haven't read more than like the first year or two of the comic. So I don't know how accurate, you know, the stuff in the game is worth how, where the story is in the comics and stuff. But I didn't really have that much fun playing it. And like I said, it's, the, it's, it's just kind of like a very, I don't want to say average because I feel like that's sort of a mean thing to say. But it's just kind of a very like, yeah, I've seen this kind of thing before. It's like a dungeon crawl almost with a weird twist of Negan like beating you up as the sort of overlord character or the AI, like, you know, in Descent or Imperial Assault, where if you take too long, then like the dungeon itself starts to kind of attack you. That kind of feels like what Negan does, but it is a little bit more grounded here than the dungeon, like the zapping you with like a firebolt <laughs> for eight damage, you know? Um, and I think they did a pretty good job just kind of flipping through the scenarios of telling a, kind of an interesting story there, you know, a story. I don't want to throw the word interesting on it because I didn't actually play through all the scenarios, obviously. Um, but there's like, there are definitely different sort of uh, map layouts and approaches to the game. So there's some variability and stuff. But at the end of the day, it was just like kind of move here, roll some dice, you know, compare that, you know, use this equipment here, use the special ability of this character there and so on. So it wasn't, it didn't really stand out at all to me. So I'd say unless you're really into The Walking Dead and the Negan stuff, then you probably, there's not really a reason to pick it up. But if you are, then I could see somebody really enjoying it for sure. So that was Here's Negan. Uh, it's a Walking Dead board game for Mantic. And I guess I should have gotten this other one out of the way first. We did get a chance to play a uh, game of Cerebria at BGGCon itself. Uh, and Cerebria is from the folks that did uh, Tricurion and Anachrony. Um, Cerebria is, I'm not a fan of this game. Uh, I really don't like this is one I really do not like and what we played we played a six-player game and so it usually you play it in teams I didn't really get a sense of how uh, it works if you have an odd number of people but or let's say you had only two people if you had to like double fist characters but the idea is that you have two teams of two normally and then if you have six you can have three teams of two and you're sort of like playing around as these sort of principalities sort of uh, archetypes of psychology kind of things. You know, these nebulous entities and you're maneuvering through this person's mind and like using their willpower to get them to be either like a light side or a dark side or somewhere in uh, a balance in between. You have these kind of like, I call them like quests that kind of come up or these goals or objectives. And you're trying to shift this big area control board um, which you like, you drop influence and you place cards in these different slots, which will uh, affect influence and also activate abilities and stuff. And then each team has like secret goals and then there's public goals to move markers around, right? So it's like we want to have the, uh, you want to have like the most uh, cards in a row on this sort of mind map board thing, or you want to uh, have 
certain uh, sectors or regions of their mind controlled in a certain way. And so the, it's, but here's the problem is it's like filled with a bunch of iconography, which isn't, you know, the end of the world for me. Uh, but there's just a lot of that. And then it, you get like a lot of like upgrades on your little player board. And that allows you to do a whole bunch of different things. And then you have uh, each character has a, a deck of cards that they draw from and they pull from that gives them special abilities and sort of augments their actions beyond like move and, you know, uh, gather influence or absorb influence and all these kinds of things. And then there's a deck to the side. You can upgrade those cards. But the game is so like tactical and uh, you have to be so responsive to what's going on that, you know, we looked through the upgrade cards and I looked through all the upgrade actions on the player board. And I did, I think for me, I did one upgrade action on the player board because I was like, well, I need to do this because it allows you to kind of move around a little little bit easier because you can kind of be blocked as you move through these pathways on this brain sort of thing. It doesn't look like a brain. The board looks kind of good, I think. But uh, <laughs> you move through these pathways and some a lot of things that allow you to kind of move more freely or share the same space with people and so on. So I did that upgrade. And then once we kind of got going, our team actually won. It was like there was no reason ever to look at an upgrade beyond that because we're like, well, oh, here's the two goals. We know our private goal and we know the public goal. And we're like, well, if we do this and this, and nothing changes too much, we're going to be a good shot to capture it when uh, the scoring is triggered. And the scoring is kind of driven by this little wheel thing that you turn in the middle, and as you absorb the willpower, which is like the currency that you spend, then uh, as you empty that, then you will like trigger a scoring. And you have these like little tower pieces that you can place down as you as you run around and try to control influence and uh, in the cards around the, the outer side of the circle, there's like these little tower pieces you can drop in the middle, and then those will jump in towards the center on scoring, possibly, or some other things will do that. So you kind of will score all that tower. It will be multicolored for each team, and then you score some points during the game, and then some other points for uh, other things. And then, so that's kind of like an end game scoring thing. But you just kind of randomly seem like you are being responsive and tactical and not really doing anything that is related to the theme at all. Uh, it's just a, like, it's like a mishmash of abilities and trying to do combos and stuff, but there's not really enough time to do anything. And the upgrade paths are just kind of like nonsensical. And there's just this whole extra part of the game that you don't really need to get after. Now, maybe that's less so in a forked player game or a two team game. But kind of like either way, it's just, it doesn't, doesn't really ground me into the theme because you're supposed to be trying to influence this mind. And, you know, I don't know, it doesn't, I don't relate to it. It's just, okay, I'm trying to influence this mind to have them be more anxious or more at peace and stuff like that. But then it's just like combos. It's like, what does that have to do with anything that has to do with the brain? Um, and I can see that, you know, okay, well, it's, that's an abstract, you know, principle you know, who really knows what driving those impulses and those forces. So if it's abstract, that's okay. And I can, I can appreciate that side of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, this is just like a giant mess of things. And some people might enjoy it and people at the table that we played it with, some really enjoyed it. And then others were kind of like, yeah, it was okay. And then there was me was, was like, this was dumb. I don't want to play this again. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I don't know. Cerebi, check it out. I would say don't like go get it or anything for sure, just for my opinion. If somebody has it, you know, and you're in the mood for like kind of a long rules teach 
and kind of an obtuse rules teach, then, you know, that's okay. And then get through that and then play the game and see what you think. But to me, there's just stuff that's more grounded and, and, or, or, or on the other side of it, more easy to play, right? So it's just easier to get in. You can get it to fun a lot quicker. Uh, so anyway, that's Cerebria. And then the next kind of, th this one, this next one here, I'm really struggling with in terms of do I like it? Do I not like it? Do I love it? Do I really think it's not as great as it seems like it should be? And that's Keyforge. I've had a chance to play this a few times now, and I know I talked about it in my Gen Con podcast. Uh, it's kind of like the real hot game right now from Fantasy Flight. You know, it's a unique deck game. So when you go buy a deck, it's unique and you can't change it or anything. And you just uh, pick up a deck and open it and play it against your friend. And they have a unique deck and then you figure it out and maybe play it a few times. And I've had a chance to play it um, more since Gen Con. And we also had a chance to play it again at, uh, at BGG Con. And uh, we both opened, uh, cracked open fresh decks that we had. I play it with Marty there from Rolling Dice and Taking Names, and we both really didn't have a very good experience. And that's, it's kind of been my experience that it seems like every other game of this is fun. Like we'll play it and it'll be really fun and it'll be kind of a knockdown, drag out uh, fight. And you'll be kind of like learning your deck and learning the combos in the deck and feel like, oh, if I play this again, I could do this different and I could do this different. But then you have a game with like, I guess like a crappy deck. And then it's like, I, what do I do different? I would do nothing different next time except just play these cards and then use these creatures to reap, which gets you this amber, which gets you these keys that you unlock, and that's how you win. Uh, so quick synopsis of the game. You know, you get, you get a unique deck. You get characters. You get, like, artifacts and abilities and spells and stuff like that. And then you mostly, the gist of the game is you get the creatures out, and on the creatures you can usually fight with them or you can reap with them. And when you fight with them, you just attack. You say, I'm going to attack this creature to your creature there and then try to take them out. And you remove them from the game. And then they take damage and they keep the damage on them. Or unless you fight, then you do a reap. And if you reap, you get one amber. And sometimes there's special abilities. Like when you fight, you get a thing that you can hit first. Or when you reap, you can do this other combo. And so you either fight or reap. And then you reap a six amber at the start of your turn if you have six amber. Then you can just turn it into a key. You spend that amber, and the first one of three keys wins. Uh, the other neat thing about the deck is each deck has exactly three different factions. So on your turn, there's no mana or energy or anything to spend. You say, I'm going to play Shadow Faction or the Lulu Faction, whatever it's called. And you can only play and discard and activate and fight and reap with cards from those factions. That's it. So you kind of try to wait till you have a big hand of a certain faction. And then you do uh, a turn with that faction. Um, so that, that's a neat, you know, mechanic there, and it kind of gets around some of the issues. But yeah, it's so might kind of kind of come down on it where it's like, I'll play one game and it's just like, man, that that was sucked, you know? Like, why did we spend a half an hour or whatever playing that? And we could have played another game that we we know is going to be good. Like when you go and it's like you don't know if it's going to be good, which is kind of neat. So that's the other side of it. This is where I'm kind of doing the flip flop. So okay, we played that crappy game of KeyForge the other day. I think it was. I think it was Saturday we played it. So then immediately after that, we played a game of uh, Warhammer Champions, the new Age of Sigmar trading card game. And we had a blast. I brought a couple of decks. I gave one of them to Marty. And, uh, you know, we played a game of that. And it was really close right down to the end. And, yeah, I mean, it had to, you have to get, like, get packs for that and customize your deck and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, Keyforge, you can spend 10 bucks and then, like, you know, have a 50-50 shot at getting a good deck. Um, but we just had a much better game. 
you know, and I have other decks that I can build and we can play those same two decks against each other and have a different outcome. Uh, or, you know, maybe the same winner, but it'll be a different style of game or, you know, whatever. So that's the thing is like Keyforge is, is such a weird, unique kind of thing where you just spend the 10 bucks and then, you know, there you go. But you don't really know if you're going to have a good game. And if you do, like next to us, a couple of guys were playing and they... They, in the time it took for us to play Keyforge and a really uh, a long game of champions, which it doesn't, it, it can go long. I mean, the decks I have are like, I, w I wouldn't say they win a tournament, but they're like, they're pretty good, you know, like they're good decks. Uh, and so we had a knockdown drag out game of that. So we played both of those games and they were still um, maybe about halfway through their Keyforge game. Maybe a little bit more than that. But, you know, they were still going. It was like this back and forth and back and forth. They seemed like they were having fun, though. So, um, yeah, so it's just a strange thing, this Keyforge thing. But I still have, like, that inkling. So now uh, it's been a few days since we played, and I'm like, okay, now I'd be down to break out Keyforge. And I would just be hoping that it turns out fun because I have had fun games with it. Um, so yeah, it's just one of those kind of things. And I think it's, it's probably priced in such a way that it's okay. Like if you, if you get a, let's say you buy a couple of decks and you know, and you have kind of a fun game every now and then that's probably an okay thing, right? Uh, because you and your friend, you can swap decks. You can be like, man, my deck's really bad. And then your friend's like, yeah, this, I think this deck is, is even worse. So then this is even a format they have for organized play. So you swap them and see if you can, you can beat the other player with their quote unquote, uh, you know, terrible deck. Uh, so it's interesting. It's just, it's, I think it's cool that it exists, but I think just know that going into it, it could be a real janky kind of experience. Uh, the one thing I will say about it is the starter box that comes with it. It's almost good. Like you get two starter decks that are the same in every box to kind of like learn the game. And then you get two of the random decks, which is cool. And there's no reason you can't use those starter decks forever either. Like, okay, they're the same as somebody else. But okay, just play that starter deck against a random deck and that's gonna be a different experience. But the only thing, and they give you some tokens and stuff. But the thing I don't like is they don't give you like the full rule book. And they give you like the little starter rule book. And then it says, oh, go get the PDF online and print it out. And it's like, and it's like, man, I like to have a rule book that I can sort of sit through and kind of piece apart. Cause there are some like weird things uh, in the game that we played wrong uh, way back when at Gen Con. So like one thing that happens is uh, the creatures, when they steal, they can steal some of the other players amber and then they keep that on their card. And we were playing it like, okay, if you steal it, then you can spend the amber that you've collected and the amber that you uh, have on that uh, creature that may have stolen it. And then, you know, turn the keys in that way, uh, but you can't. So there's just kind of like a temporary storage area for the amber, which is cool. I actually think that's better because you know, once that creature dies, then it goes back to that character. So this is like a slowing down mechanism. It's not like ruining their day. Uh, so, but yeah, it's just, I would like to have that full rule book in front of me so that I can go through it. And like, there was one other weird small thing that we were playing wrong that we realized. Um, but then, you know, going out and then getting a PDF and like, I don't want to read a PDF on my phone. It's, I don't know, it hurts my eyes. Maybe I'm old or something, but I'd like to just have the rule book. And if sure, they're going to change it and release FAQs, I'm sure, but whatever. <laughs> Put the rule book in the box so that, you know, I can flip through it and reference it and mark it up if I want to. So anyway, that's the Key Forge. So one last kind of middling review. Uh, there's a new game coming out from Awaken Realms, and they've done The Edge, and they've also done 
Lords of Hellas, which I've reviewed over the last, uh, you know, several months. So definitely take a look at those reviews. Uh, I do really enjoy both of those games, especially Lords of Hellas. It's one of my games of the year, honestly. Uh, they have a new game coming out called Nemesis. And this is sort of like if you think playing like Alien or Aliens, uh, the board game. Uh, you all wake up in sort of a cryogenic tube kind of thing. You wake up and there's some like malfunction or something and you've all got to sort of escape and get to Earth. And there are aliens on board and everybody has kind of like their own uh, little secret objectives, which could be you need to make sure that instead of going to Earth, the ship jumps to Mars or you might need to eliminate a certain player or be the only one left surviving. And so each players are dealt uh, like two objective cards, each which has like an either or. And so during the course of the game, once you have your first alien encounter, you have to discard one of those cards and then you have two kind of like possible objectives. And there's gonna be like malfunctions on the ship. You gotta make sure the engines are actually working. You gotta go make sure that the navigating computer is actually pointed to Earth or Mars if you want it to go to Mars and so on. And you have like these action cards that you're gonna play. And you have like your basic actions. And anytime you do an action, you have to discard cards. So if something says you cost two cards and you gotta discard two cards and the cards themselves will actually have actions on them. So you can use those cards and pay for the actions in that way. Uh, and so you kind of maneuver around and have to fight aliens and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so this is a game that like, I'm like right down the middle on because it's the mechanics and stuff are really cool. Like the whole multi-purpose card thing is neat. And I like having the secret objectives. It's kind of like playing Dead of Winter in space sort of thing. But there's, it's not really like you necessarily have goals where you're a full-blown trader, although that can exist. Uh, it's more like you have your goal and then you just need to get into skatebot and like screw everybody else and jump away. But you still want there to be overall success. So it's like a little bit more gray, I guess, than Dead of Winter. It's not like hard and fast. There's a trader or there, you're not. And then you also have secondary goals. It's like all secondary goals. But one of your secondary goals could be kill Billy, you know. <laughs> uh, so, so it's interesting. So, But the weird thing about it, and this is weird, I kind of come down the middle on it. And you might actually see me do a video of this, but we're gonna, I'm gonna need to play it again and maybe another time. Uh, because the, the, the game that we played, it was fine, it worked, but the whole secret goal part of it just was super flat. And the game starts off kinda slow. Um, you know, where you're just kinda, you can't really get a good read on what the other players are doing. It costs like a lot of actions and stuff to kinda move around the ship and get through the corridors and all that kinda stuff. And some of the things that can happen that are, that where you can kind of directly sort of antagonize another player, they're a little bit like random. Like sometimes when you move through a corridor, like the door will shut. And you're like, well, that's perfect because I need to trap them in that room with fire. But you can't really like do that initially. And if you want to see if somebody's actually fixed the engine or did they actually sabotage the engine, you've got to, and you're at the other side of the ship, it's a little bit tricky to get to. So anyway, we're pretty meddling. I'm pretty middling on this. The group was pretty middling. Some liked it more than others. Some actually didn't like it at all. I'm kind of in the middle. Uh, we'll definitely take a look at it. There's some videos and stuff on it. Um, but yeah, it was just, it wasn't exciting. It, it just kind of felt flat. And that's the thing. It seemed like it worked and the mechanics all worked and everything. But the overall experience was just, just kind of flat. It was just kind of bland. So anyway, that's Nemesis. And that's, I would say that's kind of the negative reviews out of the way or the not so hot reviews. You know, Cerebia, yeah, that's a negative review. Here's Negan, that's, that's a, it's okay, you know, if you like it. Keyforge, again, that's kind of the coin flip idea. Uh, 
I did get a chance to play at BGGCon a couple of older games. Well, a lot of older games, actually. Are games that I've already talked about in the channel. I'll just kind of go through them super quick. And then we'll talk into some of the newer, hotter games that I really did enjoy. Uh, I got a chance to play a game of Trajan uh, and teach that to a couple of new people. And, or that hadn't played it in a long time. I had a good time with that. I got my butt kicked, though. So that's okay. <laughs> I actually hadn't played it in a while, either. Uh, but that was always fun to play. And I had a chance to play uh, Combat Commander uh, with Chad McCash. Uh, he's kind of been floating around the podcast uh, world for a little while. And, um, and he's, he's, he's one of the ones that uh, encouraged me to start doing podcasts. So if you're listening, Chad, I appreciate that. But uh, we played Combat Commander, and that's another one I hadn't played in a long time. But uh, Chad was uh, more than hospitable and kind of worked me through a scenario a little bit. And I, by the time when I was done, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this game. <laughs> And, uh, and I was like, well, I really like this game. I need to play it more often. And uh, so we played a scenario out of one of the C3i magazines. That was uh, really cool. And uh, it, was, it was a fun, fun time. I really, I really did enjoy that because I was like, yeah, man, I need to play this more often again. Because it's just a really, really cool system. That's Combat Commander. Um, I don't talk about it a lot on the channel because I haven't played it for a while. But uh, definitely check out my review of it. Uh, and I'm sure there's some other good videos on it too, but uh, that's, uh, I, I went through sort of a phase a few years ago where I was trying out these different, uh, like squad leader type games. I've never actually played squad leader, advanced squad leader, um, but I like Upfront and then uh, um, Conflict of Heroes and Band of Brothers and probably some other, I know I played like a lock and load one or two in there, uh, but I really like Combat Commander still. And it's, I think it still holds up uh, today. It's just a really fun uh, system. And I think if you're not like, uh, you know, if you're a Euro gamer or something like that, I think I, you still will have a good time, I think. I don't know. Because, I mean, there's definitely like randomness and uh, I'll say quote-unquote dice rolling and stuff. There's no, there's no dice in the game. but uh, And there's events and cool weird things that can happen. So if you're okay with that and you want to do like a World War II game, uh, then uh, this is, I 100% recommend Combat Commander all day long. Uh, and so I played those, and then we played, let's see, we played a bunch of Cryptid, and we be, we played a few games of Shadows of Amsterdam, which I've uh, talked, I talked about Cryptid on the podcast before, did a, a review for Shadows of Amsterdam, and still, uh, I still really enjoyed uh, both games. Uh, the folks that we played Cryptid with, there's an interesting thing, and I've seen this in my game group, and I also saw it there at the con. We must have played it... I want to say about six times at the con, back to back, and then well, no, spread out a little bit too. Um, where some people and I, I had this experience a little bit too. Where the first couple of times you play Cryptid, it's like, what is happening? Why this? It's very hard to parse and dissect the board and trying to figure out and deduce uh, where this Cryptid monster is. And uh, I don't want to get into the details of the game because I've explained it before, and uh, and there's videos out on it, but. After you play a few games, then something should click. And maybe it won't click for everybody, but it's like, oh, okay, now I kind of start to see how to read what other players are doing and start to narrow down my decisions. And I've seen that in my group where a couple of people were like, man, you guys know what you're doing because you know some of us had played it a few times before, and this was their first time, the first couple times, and they're like, man, I'm completely lost. I'm not really having a good time. And then you know, either they stick with it or they don't. But if they stick with it, there's like a certain sort of switch that clicks and then they get it and then it becomes really interesting. So like one of the nights we played a three-player game with a bunch of us that had played it uh, a lot 
And, uh, and that was really good because we were being very careful how we were sort of answering our clues and putting out the cubes and stuff. And it was a very quick game because once you start to sort of uh, parse out and dissect, okay, if this cube is here, well, it's not next to this thing over here, but it's close to this building here and this one here and that one there. It's probably going to be this, but do I want to ask yet? Because that's going to give away, you know, sort of like my clue in a way. Uh, so it's pretty cool. So it's definitely uh, a game that is going to reward and sort of uh, give you, you know, like a feeling of an increased skill uh, with the game. So that's really cool. And so that's Cryptid. And then Shadows of Amsterdam uh, did not go off so hot. Um, I love it. And I think the group, there was some in the group that really didn't like it. Uh, at all and I thought the theme was silly and the artwork was silly and all that kind of stuff So I did do a video review of this, uh, but we got a chance to play that a few more times. I still love it um, I actually had a chance to play it uh, with one of the designers from Keyforge uh, Was on our team and also Chaz Marla there from Paradise Paradise And we got a real sort of simpatico there for a couple of games We played a few games in a row and we you know We, we took turns being the kind of the lead investigator giving the clues um, so it's really cool. It's, it, it's an interesting kind of like little mind meld thing that happens where you start to see uh, what kind of connections in the abstraction that players are making with it. And it, it's, a, it's a good feeling once you start to kind of click and get on the same page. And then we played some games like The Mind. We played Six Player Mind, which was uh, hilarious and difficult. We were going to play to level six and we only got to level five and that was uh, super cool. And one of the interesting things about that game of the mind was Eric Lang there, you know, designer of Blood Rage and Rising Sun, a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, he was there and he was very adamant that we were able to uh, sort of have expression and body language and stuff like that. Uh, but no talking at all. And so, and I was like, well, you should be able to talk like a little bit. And, you know, you, you can't say anything about the value because I like, come on or something like that. So there's a little discussion there about what we could do. And it was interesting because I didn't realize how much sort of um, disagreement was kind of floating around out there. Maybe there isn't that much. Because if you look at the German written rules, they're very um, uh, strict. Like you can't communicate at all. But it's like, how do you not communicate at all? Like you're always going to be communicating. And so and you're also going to sort of reflexively and reactively just, you know, stumble into communication. So it was pretty interesting. And uh, we had just a brief discussion about that. Uh, so it was a fun though. It was a riot. It was lots of laughing and, and uh, calling each other idiots and stuff. And it's always fun when Eric Lang says you're dumb. <laughs> and then, uh, so at one point I fist bumped him. We were like, we were close. I was like, he put his fist down. I was like, okay, fist bump. And then he played and I was like, oh, that's, that's, uh, that's under my card. <laughs> He's like, you don't fist bump unless you know. I'm like, I thought I knew. Anyway, that's fun stuff. And, uh, and then we played uh, Time's Up, uh, that same group in teams and I had never played that I know it and I was like everybody's always saying how great it is you know times up times up we played times up title recall which apparently is like the best version of it and I was like hell yeah this game is sweet <laughs> so we played a full game of that and we played like some variant of it there was some disagreement about the order that you can do the clues and whatever I don't really know whatever we played was fun uh, so I, I, it might be that I play it in that way. I'll, I'll look and read the actual rules if I ever pick up the game. Uh, but Time's Up is super fun. Man, that's like the greatest party game from like 10 years ago or something. You know, everybody's playing all these new party games. But this one definitely holds up. Okay, so uh, 
taking a little break, we'll get into some of the newer, hotter games. And I think just going to talk about three of them uh, that I've played recently. There's some more that are like coming in the mail and stuff like that I had a chance to talk with some publishers about. Uh, so hopefully, uh, I might get some video reviews done of these, but I'm not sure. Uh, so I do want to talk about them here. And if I do, uh, then you know, the videos, you'll see the videos go up. So let's take a break and then we'll get into those. Okay, so coming back, now we're going to talk about some of the newer games uh, that have come out at Essen and so on, and got a chance to play at BGGCon. And the first game is going to be uh, Heroes of Tiranoth. This is from Fantasy Flight Games. Uh, I had a chance to play this a couple of times actually before BGGCon. And if you're familiar with the Warhammer Quest Adventure card game, it actually came out a couple of years ago. This is designed by Adam and Brady Sadler as well. Both games were. And it's a pretty much the exact same system as the Warhammer Quest card game. Uh, you have a group of adventurers. Uh, you take uh, four adventurers and you go on, you know, this quest. And uh, you get uh, each adventurer gets four action cards that you just put in front of you, and they'll be like rest and fight, and and there's like an assist action. So you have the kind of the same four basic actions between the characters, but they're not the same at all. But they're the same idea. So you have a fighter and a healer and so on and they'll do them slightly differently and you have different classes that you can pick from. And then as you kind of play through, you know, one of the levels, then you can upgrade them at certain points. So you can get a more powerful attack, a more powerful rest card and so on. And then you will make up a deck of uh, bad guys based on the scenario card that's in front of you. And then you'll have a, like a location deck. So it's very much in the kin of uh, the Lord of the Rings uh, cooperative card game or the Arkham Horror LCG, it's that kind of thing. Now it's not an LCG at all. It's a standalone game. It comes with like, man, like seven or eight scenarios. So it comes with a lot more uh, scenarios in the main box than the Warhammer Quest card game did. And then there's some randomization, like some of the quests or the scenarios are very specific. It's like shuffling these monsters and these locations and so on. And then some is like, okay, just choose a random set of uh, hard monsters or random, two random sets of medium level monsters and so on and then put those in the deck. And so on your turn, you get an action and you activate one of those activation cards. And once you activate it, you can't use it unless some ability allows you to kind of like untap it or you do the rest action, which allows you to untap all your cards and maybe heal up a little bit. Uh, and then you kind of go through and you fight uh, the monsters and the monsters come down in front of you, very similar to uh, Arkham or Lord of the Rings or the Warhammer Quest card game. So you can engage with uh, multiple enemies, up to three enemies per character. And then you can fight stuff that's like in the shadows that's coming out of the deck that you can't see. And you'll go along and you'll have to sort of do an explore action to move through the location. And then, uh, you know, fight the stuff in front of you so you don't get killed. And then take different actions based on the location. Some of the locations will have different actions that you can do at the end of the round. And then each of the scenarios is just like kind of a large card that you track your progress on. And then this will be like little activation things that will go on there. And each scenario is going to have a nemesis that is out and you can see what happens uh, whenever you roll like a skull, you'll kind of activate this sort of global effect uh, based on the nemesis. You won't be able to fight him until you get to the, you know, the last location usually. And then as you kind of go along and you do your activations and roll your dice and stuff, um, 
there'll be different ways that will trigger like a level up. Uh, and each of the scenarios is a different kind of way of doing that. And different scenarios are definitely more or less difficult as well. And so some of the ones you might like level up a little bit earlier on to, uh, to get through, you might be actually like chasing down, okay, we wanna, we wanna get to the point where we can level stuff up. And so you'll do actions in that way to try to get that to, to happen. And other ones will just kind of like level up for you. Like as you just go along, you just kind of like, okay, now you level up and then, you know, upgrade one of your cards and go on. So I really like this game. I really did uh, enjoy and love the Warhammer Quest card game. I still have that. And, uh, and there was like one or two expansions. That, there were like character expansions for that. Uh, this one doesn't have like a campaign. Uh, I guess you could kind of play them in order. Um, you know, and just kind of tell a story, but there's no like persistence between games. Uh, like I said, you level up in the game, so you kind of reset every time you play. And there's no delve mode, which was my favorite thing about the uh, Warhammer Quest card game, where it was sort of like a uh, like just a randomly procedurally generated kind of dungeon type of thing that you went through. And I always like playing that the most. Now there are certain scenarios in here that sort of feel like a delve mode, like I talked about, where it's like, hey, grab a random uh, choice from this particular group of locations so it's sort of scaled correctly but you don't really know exactly or you can't really prepare I guess for what is what's gonna come it's gonna be a little bit random so it has some of the Dell feel now they have said that they're gonna do like campaigns as expansions I think that's a good idea because there's actually a lot that you get in this box like I said I think there's seven or eight full scenarios and some of them are going to take you a little bit of time they're not just gonna be like an hour it could be like maybe up to two hours or something uh, if you really get into it and so there's a lot in the box there's a lot of the upgrades and all that kind of stuff tons of weapons and items and things so there's a lot to kind of you know play around with in here so you're gonna get your your money's worth uh, just out of the base box just because there's like oh there's no campaign so that's there's not a full game here well no there totally is and then there's a, like a lot to replay here. Like you can play all of these scenarios multiple times with the different characters and all that stuff. Because uh, there are a lot of variety of characters. Um, yeah, so there's just a lot in the box. And I, I think um, if you missed out on Warhammer Quest card game, because it's not in print anymore, it's not going to be ever reprinted, most likely, um, then this, this system is it's the same. I mean, I think there's a couple of tweaks. I don't remember exactly. But... You know, but the presentation of it and the sort of packaging of it is very different. Uh, so I would definitely recommend if you wanted to get into that game or if you really liked that game and, you know, that game sort of had a finite life. Um, I wouldn't say you have to pick this up because it's, you know, it's pretty much the same. But if you wanted more of it, then for sure I would pick this up. I mean, 100%. It's really fun. It's a very elegant kind of system in terms of like when you do your actions, the monsters fight back automatically. So you got to deal with that and then they get their own kind of turn in the way that you kind of manage that and the way the monsters sort of have these abilities to like jump around and fight different uh, characters and stuff like that or go after certain characters in certain ways. Uh, it's all very thematically sort of, you know, interlocking and everything. But um, yeah, so that's Heroes of Tiranoth. And I definitely recommend it if you like that style of game, if you like the Arkham LCG, this is another kind of pickup uh, that you can you can check out because it's very similar to it. Uh, it's got a very different feel. It's not, you know, as quite as uh, uh, campaign driven and story driven as Arkham, at least in the base box. But maybe they'll start to expand about uh, on that a little bit. Uh, and this might end up being kind of like a more fantasy Arkham style game, but it's not really going to be an LCG. Um, but it might end up behaving like that, where you can just get an expansion, you know, new campaign, let's play this, you know, 
six, seven, eight times and get the next expansion and so on. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how this one uh, evolves. And I guess the main dif difference between that would be, you know, Arkham is like to get the chip pull out of the bag. And then this is more of a dice, you know, dice rolling kind of thing. So, and then, so, so the next two games, they've really been kind of my favorite games I've played over the last uh, couple of months. And we'll, so we'll start with the sort of the party game. And it seemed like everybody was playing this at BGGCon. It's called Just One, uh, J-U-S-T-O-N-E. The, the name of the game is Just One. And it's from Repos. I think it's coming over from Asmodee or somebody or Z-Man. Somebody's pulling it over. Somebody in that sort of conglomerate of, of people. And uh, so this is a really interesting game. It's a party game. And it plays up to seven, it says. But we've actually played it with eight. And you can, well, no, we actually played it with nine the one night. Um, the player count doesn't really matter, but I'd say if you're going to be a uh, point extra about the mechanics, then yes, it plays up to seven. And what happens is you, you shuffle up this giant deck of cards and you deal out 13 of them face down and you set the others aside. You're not going to use them. And then uh, one player will take the card and they'll draw it, but they won't look at the card. So they'll draw the card up and show it to everybody else. They'll just pick randomly off the top of their head a number from one to five. On each card, there's five words. So they say number three, and they show it to everybody. So it's number three, number three. And then they'll set it down in front of them. Each player gets like this little stand that you can write on with dry erase marker, and it's got like a little lip that you can put the card in. So on your turn, as it rotates around uh, the table, each player will do this. They'll, they'll draw a card, show it to everybody, put it in there, and then everybody's going to write down one word on the back side of their little stand. And then uh, the player who drew the card is going to close their eyes. And all the other players are going to show each other their words. If you match a word that somebody wrote, then you have to put your um, little stand face down. Everybody does. So uh, let's say the word was um, cookie, right? And so um, let's say me and Billy wrote down monster. And so, oh crap, we both wrote down monster. Our word is out. Both of us are out. Everybody else wrote their other clues, which was like, you know, chocolate or whatever. So you can only write one word. You can't do two words. You can do uh, pronouns. You can't use any part of uh, the word that was in, you know, in the actual word and stuff. So then, okay, we have all the words that are left. That person opens their eyes and they look at all of these just random words in front of them. And then they have to guess what the word is in front of uh, what they drew and if they get it right they guess it and then they say okay good that goes into the scoring pile so we score one and then you keep going and you're trying to get all 13 right which is the highest we got was eight we almost got nine but anyway long story <laughs> and so we got up to eight now if you can you can say pass and then you'll just turn that card and you put it in the non-scoring pile if you guess though and get it wrong then you lose two cards. So the next card just comes off and you lose that. So you lose kind of an extra point. So you just keep playing around, rotating it around. And the way that we played with eight was we had eight there and then whoever was the person that would draw the card would get it and they would just pass their little stand to the other player and then just you know hold the card in front of them. So it's really cool. Um, it sounds super simple, but so if you ever played this old party game called Scategories, it had that kind of thing where it would give you a, a category and then a letter, and you had to write down all of these things that started with like the letter W that were about this topic, and then you couldn't score anything that you matched with the other any other player. You would just all erase that. So you just kind of come up with unique words, which is cool because you're all trying to do that and kind of laughing about that. 
and then, but you're still trying to get the person to guess the word. So you don't want to like stretch too far out. And then they're going to look at this like random assortment of words and go like, what are you guys even talking about? <laughs> because this has nothing to do with each other. But then you have these very clever moments. Uh, and I'll, I'll use one great example here. Uh, the word was uh, octopus. So we had like squid was one. I think I wrote down squid. You know, real creative, right? <laughs> and then, you know, somebody wrote down tentacles. And the other one wrote down ink and all this stuff. So it was like tentacle squid. But I don't remember the exact words. But the one that got the person to guess it is somebody wrote down doctor. And they were like, they were like, yeah, I was pretty sure it was octopus, but then I saw doctor and I knew exactly, oh, it's octopus. So yeah, you have these kind of, you know, different weird references that you can bring in and it just makes for some, you know, really cool, interesting uh, moments. And it was great. Every time we played it, it was like everybody at the table was just loving it and laughing at it and having a great time. So I definitely, that's an instant pickup. I mean, if you got room for any of these party games, uh, just one is, uh, is amazing. It's great. So the last one to talk about um, that I'm going to bring up is Underwater Cities. And this had become my most anticipated game to play uh, at BGGCon because there's a convention here over across the way over in Seattle and Bellevue. And uh, my, my buddies go there and I've been there a couple of times. And uh, they all put like in a spreadsheet we have, you know, what their favorite games was. And Underwater Cities seemed to be like kind of at the top of more people's lists. Like it was more, you know, universally liked. Then I took a look at the game and I was like, oh, wow, this looks like it's going to be sweet. And so this is a brand new game. It's designed by Vladimir Suchi and uh, his, uh, his new kind of publishing house. And hopefully, I think they're trying to you know, start a new publishing uh, company. And this is the first game. And uh, what this is, is uh, so Underwater City. So you're, trying to develop, so you're trying to develop your underwater city. And each player has sort of like a player board. And you have these cool little like plastic domes that you're sort of, you know, starting off from your main city and trying to build a little network of, of cities and production facilities and all this stuff. You're kind of controlling that on your board. And the rest of the game is this kind of like card game, sort of. Uh, so there's a main central board with a bunch of worker placement spaces and they're different colors. And you're gonna get a hand of, well, so you, get, so you get a hand of like six cards, but every turn, right before you take your turn, you have to discard down to three. So you might end up with, four, five, six, seven cards based on different abilities, which gives you like a ton of choices, which is super overwhelming because you're like, all of these cards are good. <laughs> like, which ones do I get rid of? Anyway, so you have to discard down to three and then you take one of your workers and you put it out on a colored worker placement space. So if I put a worker on a green space, which allows me to like, you know, do an action and then collect some steel plast or connect connect some greenery or something like that. If it's on a green space, then I can uh, play a green card. Like you always have to discard a card or play a card when you do a worker placement action. So I place the worker, discard the card, but if the card matches the color of the space that I went, then I also get to activate the stuff on the card. So that's really cool. But then you can also get other cards that are like, hey, if you activate a spot that doesn't match the card you play, then you get like a little kind of benefit side thing. So you can work a strategy like that where you're you're sort of trying to activate cards or get stuff out of cards that don't match. And that's a strategy, but then you're also like forgoing some cool combo. So there's an interesting kind of dynamic there. And so that's kind of the, the core sort of, you know, twist of the mechanism, place a worker, discard a card, activate that and so on. And sometimes the cards are like little instant effects, or you can put them in front of you and they will be like end game scoring cards, or 
little abilities that will trigger you know when things happen or they could be an action card that you place in front of you it's just going to sit there and in some of the spaces on the worker placement board you place the worker which tells you activate an action card if you've got it in front of you so you activate that which is a thing so you build up these little combos and stuff and then you go along and there's sort of three um, production rounds so you play four rounds you could do like three worker placement turns and then a round ends and then you do three more and so on and then you do a production and then like all of these little like cities and production facilities and stuff that you've been building on your player board will all like spit out all of these resources so after that you have like all this stuff you're like oh my gosh i was so broke a second ago and now i have all this stuff that i can use and spend because all these things cost you know resources and you convert resources and all that stuff but then there's like this giant windfall and then you get all, all these cool toys to play with. But then by the time the next production thing rolls around, you're like broke again. <laughs> like you should be. I think you like you should be totally broke. We were talking about it. It's like, you know, I think the way to play this game is like spend everything. You know, just don't worry too much about it. But, you know, efficiently try to spend everything. Because then you just, as the game progresses, the next the next production rounds, you just get more and more stuff. Like just everybody gathering stuff is sort of comical. Because by the end, you're just getting like a ton of things. And it feels really cool. Like a lot of games don't have that. I can think, you know, there's probably been a handful of games where I've played where they're Euro games and you don't feel like you're drowning the whole time. Where this one is, you feel like you're drowning for a little bit of time, but then you're like overwhelmed with all of this cool stuff that you can do. And I love that feeling if a Euro game can kind of pull that off. Uh, so that's a very interesting uh, part of the game. So that's kind of the gist of the basic mechanics of the game. One thing I really like about the game though is the way that the worker placement stuff works, it's a true worker placement game. Like there's, uh, the the spaces are sort of varied in the way in the different types of things. Like this one will say, go build these tunnels. And this will say, build uh, these different kinds of production. But over the course of the game, like what's the important worker's placement spot is gonna shift. And so it's, it's a very uh, sort of cutthroat in your face worker placement type of thing. It's not like, oh, you went here and got like two meat and four wood. Well, I get one meat and three wood over here. Like it's kind of like that, but it, the way it shakes out is not like that. It's like, oh, you took the spot I wanted. And so you really got to, you know, kind of play around with that. So in practice, uh, that worker placement bit uh, is very, very effective and crunchy and everything. And then again, you have the whole dynamic of the card play on top of that, where you're like, well, gosh, I don't want to really want to go here, but if I can play this card, that's going to be good. <laughs> so it's, you know, there's really interesting decisions to be made there. And then the aesthetic of the game is neat. I like it. And it actually feels pretty thematic um, because the idea is, you know, you're almost like on this alien uh, planet, this alien surface. You're underwater, right? You're building cities underwater. So you kind of slowly, incrementally, Get your foothold in this environment and then you're able to sort of start extracting uh, more and more out of it and the way that you build the production buildings and stuff like that is sort of exponentials because you can like double them up and upgrade them and build tunnels and then upgrade the tunnels so when they produce they may give you like uh, some coin or some resources but then when you sort of do an upgrade you get like a bonus bid after them and then the game gives you sort of uh, targets to sort of either diversify uh, your your types of production buildings or you can kind of really lock them down and just you know get more of a windfall but at the end of the game you get more points for being more diverse and stuff like that so it gives you a lot of kind of ways to kind of uh, warm around and and uh, and different kind of paths to victory so to speak
so anyway, I think that's definitely, uh, I'm super excited to play this one. And, uh, and I got some more that I'll be playing here shortly. Um, so, you know, some of these new Essen games I've been looking forward to. But I, after hearing my group talk about it and kind of, you know, really seemed like they, it was more universally liked, uh, I was super stoked. I had just like, I had to play this. It wasn't on my radar at all. And, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to hopefully playing this again. I don't know when, if it's coming out. It may not actually come out around here till next year. I'm not real sure what the plan is there. Uh, but if you get a chance to check this out and try it, uh, definitely do it. It's a real crunchy, card-driven, multi-use card kind of Euro thing. Uh, and if you listen to this channel at all, you know, you know that's like, oh, that's all of Joel's buttons have been pushed. <laughs> anyway, so that is Underwater Cities from Vladimir Suchi, who also did, uh, if you're not familiar, he did, let's see, Last Will. Um, he did this really cool environmental game. Gosh, I can't remember the name of it. Oh my gosh, I'm having a brain fart. So he did that, he did Pulsar and some other things like that recently. So he's done a lot of good games. So I think that's it uh, for the podcast. Um, definitely uh, take a look at the uh, the Warhammer Citadel uh, Cafe uh, walkthrough that I'll do. We did actually, well, we did actually play a couple of games of Kill Team. Uh, there, there were six of us and we played uh, two games each. We kind of swapped partners. And that was super fun, uh, you know, playing that, uh, these awesome tables at the Warhammer Cafe. And I think, yeah, just J Jamie from the Secret Cabal was there, and he'd played it before, and I'd played it before. But uh, the other four folks there uh, had never played it, and uh, some of them had don't really play miniatures games. And I think everybody had a really good time. Everybody said they had a really good time playing that game. And uh, Kill Team is, is a great, uh, you know, out-of-the-box experience. Uh, and I reviewed that anyway uh, a few months ago. But uh, yeah, that was another thing we played uh, when we went to Warhammer World. Or Warhammer's, not Warhammer World. <laughs> the Warhammer Citadel. Uh, so definitely uh, look for that vlog here probably the same time you're listening to this. Uh, but that's it uh, for this month. And if I get this out before Thanksgiving, have a nice Thanksgiving if you're in the United States. And if not, I hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. We'll see. <laughs> okay, take care.